We've all been hurt. We all carry scars. We can all overcome these things and be healed through a relationship with Jesus Christ. Let's build that relationship together right here. Welcome to Healing Scars with Pastor Burton. Hey everybody, welcome back to this sanctuary. Great to have you with us. And for those joining us for the first time, let me just say welcome. Um, first off, let me apologize. Last week, um, we did not get uh, the new episode posted. Um, and really, it's, it's my fault. You know, I got caught up. I had a lot of stuff going on, especially getting ready for our, our uh, veterans ministry. And uh, I just kind of lost track of uh, time and uh, missed, a, missed a check mark on my to-do list. So um, here we are, um, and we're just going to pick up right where we left off, of course. Um, so we're not going to miss anything, and, and we're going to carry on. And uh, yeah, so um, like I said, uh, we're going to carry on. We're back. In, we're in the book of Ephesians, and specifically, we're looking at chapter 3, and uh, the first part of it, we're going to look at God's plan regarding the Gentiles. And the second part, um, really towards the end, we're going to see Paul going back into prayer like we've seen previously. Now, on a side note, I love to you know, just how we see Paul going back into prayer in this book. It serves as a great example of what prayer is. You know, not this humdrum Shakespearean nonsense trying to use a form of vernacular or speech that died out over a century ago, you know, or some uh, repetitious lingo like the ancient pagans used, you know, or some meter and rhyme like we're a bunch of five-year-olds learning a limerick uh, that we have to recite before a meal. So, you know, we'll see more on that here in just a little bit. So we're going to dive in here. Go ahead, turn with me now into Ephesians chapter 3. And we're going to start off with the first three verses. Uh, um, the Bible says, For this reason I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the sake of you Gentiles, surely you have heard about the administration of God's grace that was given to me for you. That is, the mystery made known to me by revelation as I have already written briefly. So to start this chapter, Paul's reminding us that he's been placed on house arrest in Rome. Uh, and for the very specific reason that he was preaching about Jesus. He's preaching about the gospel. All right. Uh, if we go back to Acts 28 in verses 16 through 31, we can see that this was because the religious leaders didn't believe that Jesus was the Messiah and that Paul was therefore creating dissension and civil unrest within the Jewish community. So, and so they had to put pressure, they felt they had to put pressure on the Romans to arrest him on charges of treason. So in return, Paul, as a citizen, exercised his right to appeal to Caesar. And at this point, he was waiting for that hearing while under guard at home. All right, now, this in itself, that's something that would bring anyone down, right? And you're, 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 you're jailed. You're locked up. You're, you're under guard. You can't do anything without permission, really. You know? uh, and as people, we get depressed rather easily for things that aren't even as close to being as important as, as this. You know, uh, For Paul, this was literally a matter of life or death, yet... Here he is, remaining cool, calm, and collected. You know, uh, most people wouldn't even respond that way. You know, instead, you know, they would flip out, 
you know, when they when they have to repeat things just at the drive-through, you know, or they don't get some discount that they feel that they're entitled to. Uh, so it's a great testament to where our faith should be, and how it should be built up. Uh, and and in those times, you know, when you start to wonder, you know, where's God? How is He in control of this? What the, what in the world is going on? You know, when you get to those points, you need to step back. You know, we all need to step back and we need to remind ourselves, you know, God's always in control and he can and does use all of these things to his glory. And most importantly, in his time, not our time, in his, he's always with us. We just need to trust in him. Now. Going into verses 2 and 3, we see Paul mention the administration of God's grace. This is referring to the special mission or special trust, uh, commitment, and authority that Paul has been entrusted with to take the gospel to the Gentiles. You know, as you recall, last you know, um, week before last, you know, last time we met, we were talking about how Christ brought down the barrier to unite the Jews and Gentiles into one body. All right, in, in Ephesians three verses four through six, the Bible says, "In reading this, then, you will be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to people in other generations, as it has now been revealed." By the Spirit to God's holy apostles and prophets. This mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body, and sharers together in the promise of Christ Jesus. Now, at face value, it would appear that God had kept his plan from previous generations. You know, almost as though he was withholding, you know, that critical need to know valuable information, right? Um, Some have called it a type of spiritual blackmail. However, this is not the case. You know, he had to wait until the perfect moment, you know, that, 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 that perfect time to reveal that things so that everyone could see. You know, again, his timing is always perfect, You know, if God had revealed it sooner to the Jews, then the Gentiles would have been left out. If he, you know, uh, if he he let the Gentiles in on his plan, then the Jews would have been left out. So instead, he waited so that they could be first united as one body, as the church. All right. So everyone could be brought together as the church. This way, everyone would be able to hear of God's intent. This was actually revealed all the way back in Isaiah 49, verse 6. Uh, In Isaiah 49, verse 6, the Bible says this, It is too small a thing for you to be my servant to restore the tribes of Jacob and bring back those of Israel I have kept. I will also make you a light for the Gentiles that my salvation may reach to the ends of the earth. 
right? This in itself, this is telling us that the Gentiles would receive salvation just like the Jews. What wasn't counted on until Jesus came was that all the tribes would actually be united into one body and receive that salvation equally. You know, remember, they all had that pride and division that had them all thinking that they were better and more favored than the other, you know, that spiritual pride. So now, you know, with with, with uh, Christ taking the cross, everyone's been put on equal footing. The, the playing field has been leveled out completely, all right? Now, continuing back in Ephesians 3, verses 7 through 9, the Bible says, I became a servant of this gospel by the gifts of God's grace given me through the working of his power. Although I am less than the least of all the Lord's people, this grace was given to me to preach to the Gentiles the boundless riches of Christ and to make plain to everyone the administration of of this mystery for which ages past was kept hidden in God who created all things. So Paul is saying something important here in verse 7. He became the servant by the gift of God's grace, meaning when Paul became a servant of God, the Father gave him the ability to share the gospel. All right now, now don't take this out of out of context. All right, way, 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 way too many people, too many organizations already do that. All right, it doesn't mean you have to be an apostle or a professional evangelist or a preacher or whatever title you want to insert to be able to share the gospel. Okay, you don't have to spend countless hours out of school earning a piece of paper that says you're qualified to share the gospel in your life. All right, we're 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 all there. What it does mean is that when you humble yourself as God's servant, he will equip you with all that you need to share the gospel. Remember, God doesn't call the equipped. He equips the called. You just have to answer the call. All right, now before we move on, I'd like to call your attention to what Paul has said about himself here. He says, I am less than the least of all the Lord's people. All right, he's not putting himself down. What he is saying is that without God's help, he would never be able to complete the work that was set out for him by God. All right? This is this is the same thing that we need to keep in mind when we hear Philippians 4:13, you know, which which says, "I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength." Okay? It's not saying that you can leap at buildings in, in a single bound or fly or any of that kind of stuff, okay? It's not going to be like, oh, you know, I have faith, so I'm a superhero. No, that, that's not what it's saying. You know, um, sometimes we feel like what we're doing is very minuscule, all right? It's really without any real consequence. We don't see how it fits into the big picture. However, when God puts something on your heart, he's doing it for a reason, Okay, he when he says, "Hey, you know, I'm putting this on you. You know, I want you to do this." 
He's doing it for a reason. All you have to do is start working on it. Keep your faith in Christ. He will take care of the rest. All right? Think of it this way. Those minor details, they might not seem like much, but God has entrusted you with the fine print of his plan. All right? So moving along, Ephesians 3, verses 10 through 13, the Bible says, His intent was that now, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms, according to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus, our Lord. In him and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. I ask you, therefore, not to be discouraged because of my sufferings, which are your glory. There is a huge audience here. What what he's talking about, what the word is telling us here is, okay, the rulers and authority in the heavenly realms. This is specifically talking about the angels who are witnesses to God's work and the enemy, Satan and the fallen angels, demons. Those hostile spiritual forces that are at work to oppose God and his plans. He has everything at work for all of them to see. And it's a pretty big crowd. All right. And, and this crowd, it's watching, it's not just watching God at work, it's watching God's work through us, His plan unfolding through us. So, no matter how trivial something may seem, as Christians, we can rest assured that it is not trivial at all. We are all entrusted with something that no other creation of God's can be trusted with. That is huge. Think about that. He, I, this is We're talking about the creator of everything. Everything. And he's entrusted us with these things. All right. Not only that, but we have the privilege of being able to go straight to the Father with anything and everything. Because of Christ's sacrifice, the Father will greet us with arms wide open. Our prayer places us in open dialogue with Him. Again, our prayer places us in open dialogue with Him. You know, and, and, and you think about it. This is how big this is. Some of us, really many of us, can't even talk to a higher up at work without getting in trouble. Even when they say, hey, you know, I've got an open door policy. You're welcome to come through at any time, you know, and it's garbage. Yet the creator of everything known and unknown welcomes us. With him, it's not even a matter of having an open door because he's completely removed it. All right. It is gone. And finally, 
Here, Paul talks about his suffering, which is to God's glory. Remember, he's been jailed for speaking about the gospel. Now, could he have kept, you know, I shouldn't even say that. He could have kept his mouth shut. And he would have avoided a whole lot of trouble. However, that wasn't what God placed on him, and it was not the right thing to do. The right thing was to do what God had entrusted him to do and has entrusted all of us to do. You see, if Paul hadn't said anything, then people wouldn't have known about the gospel. You know, all the people that, you know, he'd have heard that would have heard it from him. However, because he did speak up, people did hear the good news. And because they heard the good news, they found their way into a relationship with Jesus. They found their way into a relationship as part of God's family. The good far outweighed the bad of being imprisoned and everything that it entailed. Remember, we're talking life or death here, right? However, it's also a reminder to us that life as a Christian won't be without strife. We could be facing pain and we could be facing death. However, that's exactly what Jesus meant in Matthew 16, verse 24, when he said, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. We need to be willing to die for Jesus, just as he was willing to die for us. We need to remember that others have done just that to pave the way for us to be able to reach others and continue to answer the Great Commission, to be able to continue to share the good news. And we need to remember that through all of this, the Lord is with us. He hasn't gone anywhere. He is still with us. Now, to finish the chapter, Paul once once again goes into, um, into prayer. In Ephesians 3, verses 14 and 15, the Bible says, For this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. All right, the Greek word that's used for family here, uh, patria, comes from the Greek word for father, patir. All right, uh, notice how it shows the ownership. You know, God's family, it's very, it's, it's inclusive. All right, uh, you know, much like you know, let me put it into, ter- into terms here that you know all, all of us could you know can can fathom. All right, when it comes to God's family, much like our families here on earth, it includes believers of the from the past. All right, ancestors, present, us here, and future children and grandchildren. Right. So with God's family, though, it includes all believers. All right, not just blood believers. We tend to think of our family here on earth as just being blood. For the most part, you know, uh, those, uh, you know, have served, um, you know, uh, those of a, in, in certain upbringings, um, you know, those whose parents weren't around, you know, uh, we, we all know, you know, family goes much further than that. Um, but here specifically, we are talking about the family of God, which means believers. All right. And not just those who say that they are, but those who actually are. Continuing on, you know, um. With that said, you know, it, 
we need to remember that as believers, we are adopted into his family. We are a family with God as our father. And he promises to love his family. His family being the church. And I've said it time and time again. The church is God's people gathered together. It is not a building. It's not an organization. You know, it's not a denomination. You know, it's it's believers coming together. That's why it's important for us to get to know other believers. We need to know our family. And that's what it means to come together as the church, is to be with other believers. All right. Um, continuing on from here, Ephesians 3, verses 16 through 19. Um, before I go down any more bunny trails here, um, the Bible says, I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and how excuse me how long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God again God's love is it's great he loves us all he loves you his love knows no you know bounds that we can't even imagine you know it, it's, it's, that's why we say it knows no bounds you know for our short existence here to well beyond in his kingdom you know no matter what you do no matter what you've done god still loves you and welcomes you home all right. Let me say it again. No matter what you do and no matter what you've done, God still loves you. And the only way we can know and understand his love for us is in Jesus, by coming to know him and his spirit within us. You know, and that's that right there, that's where we find purpose. That's where we find sufficiency. That's where we find love. This is where we find that that peace that just you know, it can't be explained and, and we find fulfillment in everything. And, and that's what he's referring here, referring here to when he says, you know, love that surpasses knowledge. You know, it's it's that peace. You know, it, it can't be explained. It's just there. All right. Join me in our last couple of verses here. Um, Ephesians three, uh, verses twenty and twenty-one. The Bible says, "Now, to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power." That is at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Amen, right? You know, this shows just really how timeless the work of the church is. All right? For the generations that have been, the generations that are here, the generations to come. You know, that, that work, you know, it, it needs to continue. You know, we, we need to continue to band together and share the good news for all to hear. You know, we need to continue to, sh- to answer the Great Commission. You know, the first three chapters of this book here, you know, it's, if, if you noticed, they set, they're set up in, in the same manner as other books that Paul, Paul's written. All right. The first part is the doctrine. It's the foundation. All right. He's laid out the principles. Here it is. All right. 
And, and, and now we can see how it's all been laid out. First is the doctrine, right? And the next few chapters as we move on, we're going to see the practical application. I mean, we've already seen, you know, some of that practical application. I mean, right here, I mean, we're, we're talking about, you know, sharing the word of Jesus to reach others. You know, especially in a, in a world that's, you know, j just as we've been told, is more and more so turning its back on him, right? So, uh, believing the traps of the devil. So, uh, like I said, here in the next few chapters, we're going to see uh, the practical application of things and how it's being laid out. You know, being, you know, that we're in a joyous season right now, this in itself, you know, this should help many of us to feel even more festive, it, it really should. You know, I, after all, this is a season in which we celebrate the birth of the king, right? And going through this book, we're reminded just how dear we are to him, how much he loves us, how, you know, just how meaningful his sacrifice for us is. All right. Uh, we're loved more than any other creation. And we've been entrusted with duties that no other has been and no other will be. You know, you've been given this gift because you are a gift. That's right, you. You are a gift. You've been placed on this earth as a gift for others. And that is how highly God thinks of you and how highly he loves you. You are so special that you have to be shared. You know, think of it, you know, as a little kid gets, a, gets that, you know, that new toy. It's like, oh, look, look, you know, look how great this is and how, and how excited they are about it. That's how God feels about you. And there's going to be those moments in your life where you feel like your light is just, it, it's getting, it's getting dim, right? You're starting to feel like you're, you're, you're kind of sliding back in this dark, into the darkness. And those right there, that, that's the time to pray, pray, talk to God, like, you know, hey, you know, Dude, this is what's up. Come on now, right? You just take your burden to him. And what's going to happen, you'll find, is the Lord is going to refill your lamp. And your light is going to get that much brighter. Just like when Moses came back down the mountain after speaking with God. What happened, right? He had this glow about him that was so bright, people had a hard time even trying to look at him. And that was just from being in the presence of God. The same happens when we go to the Lord and we let him refill our lamps so we can continue out in the world. So that we continue to be a light. Remember, you are loved, you are blessed. You are a blessing. So go and be the church. Thank you all for joining us here today at Healing Scars with Pastor Burton. Please like, subscribe, and share our podcast on any platform it is that you tune into us on. If you do have any questions, any prayer requests, or would like to know more about our ministry, you can find us on our website at bethelightsanctuary.org or on Facebook at Be The Light Sanctuary. Uh, you could also find how to contact us there, whether it's direct message or email. We look forward to hearing from you all. God bless.